Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. They were, they were. So what I'm going to do is I just hit record. I'm just going to tell you the story real quick. All right, everyone, what's up? Hello on the podcast. This is Nate Thurston with Good Morning Liberty. I'm sitting here with Mark Burgess. And all the way over in Australia, it's already it's already Wednesday. Right now it's Tuesday. It's kind of like talking through a time machine, but we just call it Zoom. And so it's pretty cool. Technology, it's a cool thing. I was telling about this story over Thanksgiving. Had a family member talking about their workplace. Someone... We'll just say someone got fired and a new person was hired in their place uh, for a very specific reason. And what I was told was it's very important for management and higher-ups to represent the diversity of their workforce. And my response was, why? <laughs> and then I said, well, no, it's not. I was like, I don't, I don't care if, uh, if I work somewhere in my, in my manager is uh is a young white guy that would that would be ridiculous for me so mark maybe you can help me out with this topic i reckon from the outset the thing to say with this as well is that i'm all for being a respectful person to people like i think it's you know it's important to be a good bloke to people irrespective of who they are that's let, let's put that to one side though in the instance of institutions um working for a public company i think your number one priority is going to be the best possible return to a shareholder. Uh, and that that kind of trickles down to a whole host of other situations. In the instance that I wrote this article regarding uh, Jonathan Haidt, it's not really um, the reason why Haidt resigned from his professional association was because they were kind of moving beyond their remit of just focusing on the truth in academia and they were kind of moving towards this ideological uh diversity and inclusion driven agenda um and it really it's interesting it's kind of taken taking hold of a lot of key institutions in the west at the moment it's um it's strange strange times it it is and in your article you laid out nicely because you actually say four reasons to scrap diversity and inclusion, it's always great to give someone a list. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to see what the four reasons are. And so I, I went through there, see what each one of these are. And I saw you talking about Jonathan Haidt. Also a funny part later in the article, you mentioned that you want to make sure that Australia doesn't turn into the United States. 
<laughs> when... Yeah, well, just as in, in in terms of being as polarized at the moment, I should say, I think it's interesting. Australia definitely culturally imports a lot of stuff from the United States, but it's almost as though we're sort of five years behind whatever the current trend in the States is in many respects. But then also I think Australia by and large is probably more progressive. There's less of a conservative wing, uh, which is, you know, we we, uh, just on the weekend had, so Melbourne was the world's longest lockdown, uh, the longest in the Western world at least. Uh, during COVID, we've just returned the government that had us locked down for uh, 262 days. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll leave that to one side. Well, how, okay, I don't talk to a lot of people from Australia. How did the whole lockdown thing go? And I and I can't believe that it seems like everyone's just going to brush past that whole lockdown thing, you know, like, oh, that was, that was weird, but we had no choice. Uh, we just had to do it, right? Is that is that kind of the feeling around there? Yeah, effectively. I mean, it's people just want to stop talking about it. There's not really, and, and it's not as though that, oh, well, uh, I guess most people who voted back in this government think that he did a good job of protecting people from uh, from getting the virus, which is kind of dubious at best, especially considering we had a public policy failure hotel quarantine where uh, due to due to government failing, uh, the virus kind of leaked out of hotels, and that led to the death of 800 people. But there was like no one was really held to account for that. So I don't know. It's it is really strange. One key kind of thing. I, I used to have a perception of Aussies. I don't know what your perception was, but of being you know kind of larrikins and sort of giving one of these to authority. But that's kind of We've turned out to be, by and large, very uh, compliant. I think um, during during the whole COVID episode. So, that yeah, was, strange. That was actually my perception beforehand. Also, I'd only had a couple instances even meeting people from Australia, and that it was actually I was overseas when I was meeting people, and I was at a military base, and they had some Australian troops there, and they were the they were the. I, don't, I could just say the badasses that were there, you know, they didn't really care about the uh, the authority quite as much. Maybe they weren't quite yeah, as, yeah. you know, pretty up as some of the other troops were there on the base. And, and, and they also, maybe they went out and they had a few drinks more often than other people did and just like to have a good time. And that was, uh, you know, one of my only experiences. And when I see what happened with the lockdowns, I actually see, wow, there's a lot of people that are really okay with government authority. And you should give up your liberties as long as they can keep you safe. When you said that, well, people think they did a good job protecting people from COVID. And as a libertarian, I'm like, well, they could protect people from car accidents if they banned people from driving, right? What, where do yeah. we, where do we draw the line if it's the, well, if that's it's their right. job? It, it's, um, and Australia, I think, I think it is probably the growth of the state is, uh, happening across the Western world, not just in Australia. But one unique thing about Australia, I would say, is that we are quite a nanny state. So we are very um, probably overbearing in some, I don't know, well, even a small example, like having to wear a bike helmet. I know I don't know what the laws are in the US for that, but like in the UK, you can ride a bike without a helmet, no problem. Uh uh, that's a small example, but here, you know, you, you get into <laughs> into trouble <laughs> if, if you 
if you God forbid do that. I don't know. I, I I'm more I'm a proponent of personal responsibility. Like if you're not going to wear a helmet on a bike and you fall off, then it, you're an idiot and it's your own fault. <laughs> like, it's unfortunately, a little bit of natural selection taking taking place at that yeah, time. Well, indeed. It, you know that. Indeed. Not that I want anything like that to happen. You hope that everyone's safe all the time, but uh, uh, obviously, we, we you kind of know what can happen if you fall off the bike uh, when that happens but exactly uh, well okay so when we talk about society and the culture are you when it comes to the hard left tactics or maybe critical race theory or th things like yeah. this maybe even uh, the gender ideologies the things like that are you lagging behind what where the u.s is going right now or more progressive on those fronts too uh no <sighs> On those fronts, that's an interesting question. Uh, probably lagging behind on those fronts. I don't think we're, we're certainly not ahead of the pack. I think a lot of the kind of gender, critical race theory, all of that kind of stuff is coming primarily from uh, US universities. And then that in turn trickles down to Australian universities. So that's probably a good instance of where we're a little bit behind the pack. But that said, given social media now and we're all so much more connected um there probably is even even less of a lag now but i mean it, it, it is look i i did a uh i did my undergraduate in the bachelor of arts at melbourne university and it was uh incredibly left-wing uh and i the the most disappointing thing about all of this diversity and inclusion stuff is that Often it's diversity inclusion only in name and specifically they never emphasize diversity of opinion. So I was um, probably one of the reasons why I'm getting more involved in, uh, you know, writing and political commentary and so on is just because there is so often only one side uh, of an argument heard in mainstream media um, and it's having the effect of, one point I'll make about diversity and inclusion as well is that I think there are a lot of good people who think ostensibly diversity and inclusion, like that sounds perfectly reasonable, right? Like, yeah, everyone should be, everyone should be included, whatever, you know, like that's great. But it's, it's the, the trouble is that it's not actually including everyone. It's picking and choosing certain groups of people and it's viewing it's it's through the lens of identity politics which is viewing people as groups of people rather than as unique individuals i have a big problem with that like that is that is marxist theory um so i think there are a lot of good intentioned people who kind of go along with it because uh it seems on the surface perfectly reasonable but as you dig deeper um, it's actually fraught with a lot of with a lot of problems, and then of course there's people who are perfectly cognizant of uh, of what they're purporting, and they're the more uh, you know insidious uh, insidious kinds of people who, who have an ideological agenda, I guess you would say, and they seem to be uh, you know uh, at the helm at the moment in in mainstream affairs, I suppose you would say. Yeah, they definitely do. When you talk about the diversity of opinions and diversity of thought, that seems to be something that people more on the left are very much against. It's not so much about uh, equality or uh, or freedom or anything like that. It's really 
it is until you say, well, we are actually the ones that are right. We have the correct opinions and the other opinions are really dangerous. And uh, while we, yeah, we, we completely tolerance all of that and we want to have free speech, but not the dangerous kind of speech. And you know, right. when you, when you yeah. say this, well, this can lead to bad things happening. And so actually to protect people, we can't allow that. And it's just a really convenient position for uh, one side of the ideological spectrum to take. It is. And who's choosing that? That's the thing that's scary about all of And especially like this is going to be a huge problem in the next in the next decade, at least of it. We're seeing it already. We've sort of seen it with Twitter, people getting banned and so on. Who's the arbiter of free speech? Like who who is deciding what speech uh, is acceptable, what speech isn't? Um, I, I'm of the view that, uh, you know, sure there's, there's limits. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Like that's just being, uh, being, uh, I was going to, I was going to swear. I don't know whether you're not allowed to. <laughs> no, no rules really. No. There's no rules. Okay. That's no. just being a dickhead. If you're going <laughs> to, if you're going to, uh, yell fire in a crowded theater. But I mean, in most, it, the vast majority of the time, I think it's important to hear all sides of an argument, irrespective of how uh, how much you might disagree with someone, or e even if you're offended, but you don't have a right to not be offended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's just it's how you grow as a person. And if somebody truly has a noxious opinion, then it's incumbent upon you to address their argument and, and say, uh, you know, th this is where I think you're wrong. Like, you don't have a right to just say you're not allowed to speak. That, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it is the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions for a lot of people. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's strange. And it's become a whole industry as well. That's the other mm -hmm. thing. Like, and I sort of touch upon that in the first point that I make, that it's a waste of time, money and resources. Um, the average the average diversity and inclusion uh, manager in Australia gets paid ninety eight thousand dollars a year. Um, I just fundamentally, I think it's like completely pointless. And it's also one thing that I actually don't touch upon in my article, but I, which I think is equally is important is there's the liberal principle. One of the basic tenets of of liberalism is freedom of association. So. That it's not necessary. Like pe people should have a right to be able to affiliate with whoever they want to affiliate with when it's a private institution. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're kind of losing sight of that. We we definitely lost sight of that uh, over here. Now a diversity and inclusion manager making ninety eight thousand dollars a year. What do you? Uh, is it that tough of a job? You think? I mean, well, you're trying to make sure that there's. Oh a no, absolutely quota. not. It's, it can't be no, that no, hard. No. Like, oh, oh here's these people, and we're uh, going to make sure these people are there. Like, that's worth ninety eight grand a year. Exactly. Well, exactly. And I, I actually don't think maybe if they were actually doing their job properly, a lot of them, maybe it would be fine. But I don't think they are. I think that in a lot of instances, it really is just sprouting. You know, more of this bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's. It's just, it's diversity for some and not for others. And quite frankly, I mean, as I alluded to before, with if you're a public company, you don't need this. Like, just get what, 
as a matter of fact, any profit-making company, get the best people for the job. Like, you want to be a meritocracy. If you want to, if you, like, if you want to give, you know, give back, to use that term, to society, why don't you focus on making the most money possible and then using that money, giving it towards charitable causes? You don't have to kind of, uh, it's just, all of these organisations are kind of going beyond their remit. And, and it's actually, it's it's not only counterproductive to productivity, but it's it's bad for the rest of society. I mean, you we want the best, we want, we want productivity. Mm-hmm. Like it's in the interest of everyone. It doesn't just affect that individual company. Um, yeah. The thing that you can do as a, <laughs> as a business is uh, be a business that is the most efficient use of resources that provides the most value to your customers uh, for the lowest amount of money. So, and uses all the resources most efficiently. So then the rest of the economy can also flourish as good as it possibly can. And, uh, and that's not really what we're focused on. We're really focused more on this virtue signaling thing that everyone's on. We do this diversity and inclusion I, I don't know if the people actually care about this or if they want to be able to talk about how they do this. Uh, I don't know which one it exactly. really is. Exactly. I like to call it a ticking the box exercise. And I think you're absolutely on the money with that. Uh, I think because it's really all of this stuff, like it's swept through um, all uh, all kind of big corporations uh universities uh the government's implementing it now a lot more which by the way i think is a massive waste of taxpayer money i I don't think we need that in in governments either um but it is it it literally i think it's become a corporate liability if people don't have an hr manager or someone that's pushing for diversity and inclusion it's literally when i was going for graduate positions after finishing university just about every company that I applied for would have some line on, oh, we value like diversity and inclusion. I, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> like just <laughs> get, get the best people for the job. And w- what do you actually do? Like e- every other company says that. So it's like a, it's so saturated that term now that it, it's rendered meaningless because everyone is saying it. Well, and so the people in the uh, the corporations, what I wonder when you're going through that is, are they just responding to a market incentive? That's what the people uh, want them to say. That's what they want to hear, almost like a almost like an entertainment uh, for them. That's just what they want to hear. And so the corporations, of course, they're doing it. And so I, I wonder if I blame the corporations for doing this, or they're just responding to a market incentive. And where did all this actually start? just the people got ridiculous or was it the colleges or what's the source of this problem marks yeah well that's a that's a great question i think um yeah gosh we could spend a long time talking about that i i, I would assume, i think you're right though the last thing you said i think a lot of it does come out of the universities um and i would say you know the left's long march through the institutions i think the seeds in which they've sown over the last 50 odd years are really starting to uh starting to come out but i mean i think there are there are a lot of reasonable people who just think this stuff has gone way too far and that's that is heartwarming to see but 
the troublesome thing at the moment is that no one's brave enough to put their hand up and say, like, come on, guys, this is just, can we just get on with it? Like, mm-hmm. can we just do our job and stop talking about how we all need to, you know, hold hands in a circle singing Kumbaya? <laughs> it's it's like, I have a problem. If, if people are being outrightly discriminatory towards other people, like, I don't, I don't like that. I, I, and I'm, I'm going to call that out. But it's just, I, I think we're so far past this. Like, uh, Australia is a very multicultural uh, place. We're sort of an Im- immigrant nation um, where a, you, you hear the term describes uh, a, a melting pot of lots of different, different nations. Um, in that respect, as I, as I say in the article, we're inherently diverse. Um, a lot of this stuff is just, it, it's silly, but it's also back to freedom of association. It's important as well because I intern at a one of the, the best retailers in Australia. Is I don't know if you would be familiar with them because they're primarily just in the Australian market, but they'd be like a do you know Sephora? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like cosmetics. So I interned at like an equivalent of that. So the workforce was probably like 98% female, 1% gay dude, and then me, (laughs) (laughs) which is hilarious. But that's, I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, But it's only, there's there's no, I'm not going in there being like, hey, where are your diversity targets? (laughs) (laughs) So I think some people just view the world through, it's, it's only ever one way and it's people just, view the world through one lens. Do you think that's just because the pendulum is swung uh, too hard in the other direction? Uh, Obviously, in Australia's history, I'm sure, in the United States history, there's been a lot of oppression uh, from people who Mm -hmm. look like the two of us. It wasn't us, but they might have looked like the two of us, uh, unfortunately, for us right now. And maybe the pendulum has swung too far where we're trying to make up for that. We're trying to make sure that those groups are all included, that they're not held down. But actually, in the process, we're uh, in some cases holding other people down because of what they look like or what their sex is and trying to prop up other groups of people, which is to me sounds like more of the same thing just for different people. Absolutely. I think that's a really good analysis. Um, And you don't solve discrimination with more discrimination. I mean, you don't, it's just not helpful. And it, I, on, on all of these kind of issues, I always just go back to Martin Luther King Jr. Um, to be judged on the content of your character and not the color of your skin. Um, it, it, like it, it, he spoke about judging people as individuals. Um, you know, you're, and that's so important. I think I think you're exactly right. We're, we've kind of been swept up in sort of trying to make amends for history and, and the wrongs that have occurred, but you're not going to solve it by uh, now discriminating against people that have discriminated against in the past, or you know the 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 um, the, the people whose ancestors have. I mean, that's just a uh, it, it's completely counterproductive, and I I worry that it is. You know, you say the pendulum has swung back too far. We don't want it to swing back again. I mean, like we just want people to be reasonable and to uh, to. It, it it seems to me to be such a simple 
solution. I don't know why it's <laughs> so <laughs> difficult. <laughs> <laughs> like just treat everybody as individuals. And if that person hasn't wronged you, then they haven't wronged you. We all agree that there were terrible things that happened in history and we don't want to repeat those things. Uh, but in the same way that you wouldn't want to look at anyone of any skin color and attribute something specifically to them from someone, you know, hundred years ago did something to me, that makes no sense. It sounds really racist if I think about doing that. And I think that we could all just agree that we're all individuals. Let's not put people into groups and we could all focus on, I, I don't know, living the best life possible, <laughs> whatever the most cheesy thing absolutely. is. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, it, well, the other thing with it is in terms of history is that, uh, and I, I love history. I, it pains me that so many people view history, uh, they're just ahistorical or anachronistic in the way in which they, they read into history, they try to kind of impart the values that we have today onto generations of the past, which is, you know, there's, it's all relative to the times in which you live. Mm -hmm. Some people don't know any better. They're just products of their environment. Um, but this whole, it's opening another can of worms here, but this whole, you know, business of cancelling people from the past and tearing down statues and, it's just so unhelpful. I mean, we can't, you can't unwrite history. You've just got to take the good with the bad. Um, and yeah, it's just one, I think it's a branch of that, of that kind of, um, especially in Western civilization where we have this kind of shame of mm -hmm. where we've come from. Um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, cultural self-hatred going on which is definitely observable from the u.s but australia as well it's interesting like people it's pretty remarkable to be honest like there are not very many patriotic uh australians i would say because people like oh you know like we're so terrible <laughs> we've, yeah. we've like done all this bad stuff in in uh but it's it's like also relative to the rest of the world australians have have been pretty uh, progressive and tolerant and stuff. So it's just, I don't know, pe people don't have any relativity towards history. I think you're totally right. And that's always a really hard conversation for people to have, but it's easy for us to look at what our values are right now and talk about people in history. I've told a lot of people that it's not even like this is the same thing, but here's an example. You know, my wife is vegetarian and her whole family, they're like vegan and vegetarian and stuff like that. I honestly believe that in a hundred years, people are going to look maybe 150 people are going to look back uh, on us meat eaters and wonder what the heck was wrong with those insane barbarians uh, doing what they were doing to I'm, I'm telling you, I think we're moving that direction. And I think uh, four generations out, something like that. I'm like, Oh my God, really? They used to do that. And right now we're like, Oh yeah, freaking cheeseburger. That stuff is good, man. And we don't even yeah, think yeah. about it, you know, but uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Quite possibly. Where, so one, I know like a few of my female friends that have gone either vegan or vegetarian. One of the problems that they've had is that they haven't been getting enough iron, mm. iron from their diet. How do they supplement that? No clue. I, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's ever been discussed. Maybe some, uh, just some, some actual pills or something. I don't know what the deal is because, yeah, right. uh, yeah I don't, I, 
I'm not going to say that they're the like healthiest vegetarians uh, in the entire world, but um, you know, we were talking about people being put into different groups, and I saw a really good example just before we jump off of here. A good example of why uh, governments and people in power they like people to stay in different groups, and it had to do with the unrest that's going on in China. And so I was just gonna, uh-huh. I was gonna tell you about this thing I saw from the New York Times, and they talk about the COVID restrictions. And talking about how it has uh, created a focus for anger that transcends class and geography. Uh, migrant workers, uh, university students, professionals, they all have the same frustrations. The roots of their frustrations are the same. It says the Communist Party's greatest fear would be realized if these similar grievances led protesters from disparate backgrounds to cooperate. And that that would be... Their worst fear is if all those people from different backgrounds realize that they all had the same problem and it was actually the authoritarian government. So that's that's one reason I think they like to keep people separated into groups. I don't know if there's people in a back room trying to separate people out in the groups or just something natural that uh, that happens. I don't know, but China are probably not pushing, you know, diversity and inclusion as much, I would assume. <laughs> no, probably but not. I think that... I think that analysis is probably right in the sense that um, I think in some respects it does seem as though people have vested interests in keeping people polarised. Um, but I think it's silly because people do have their differences and I think that we should be, that's fine. Like that that's perfectly okay. People can hang out with who they want to hang out with and they can um that's just it's just living in a free society um i think we're losing sight of that and it's interesting as well like one thing that we didn't talk about is that you know it's so on all of these sorts of issues i think at the moment the left has the moral high ground and so if you it's so easy when you're talking about this stuff you know if we were having this chat with uh, with um with a certain someone, they they might just be like, oh, well, you're a bigot. <laughs> like, that's why you don't want uh, diversity and inclusion. But you don't, well, for one, I mean, that's often the what they resort to is just name calling and they don't address you on the merit of your arguments. Um, but two, I, I think as a fundamental intellectual point, I, I don't think, um, I think freedom of association is really important. Uh, and I, I really do think that a lot of this stuff is completely counterproductive towards, um, to, and it's just a distraction from what we should be doing. Like there's more, there's way more important stuff to be focusing on. Uh, and in the instance of hate, it's a tragedy because this is somebody that's, that's had a colossal contribution towards, uh, academic life. Um, the righteous mind, if any of your listeners haven't, uh, haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. Um, and, and it's what's fascinating now is that, I mean, hate is from the left, but he's kind of coming out and uh, and he he's had a gutful. So, mm. yeah, it, it really is strange times. I hope that this is just a, a strange fad that we're going through uh, and that, that people... Uh, it's everything is resolved peacefully. <laughs> I totally agree. And I love that you brought up the moral high ground. Uh, well, I think that's a good spot to end because that's something we've been telling our listeners for the last couple of years. Uh, people on the left, they argue from the point that they have the moral high ground and actually they don't. 
we've got the moral high ground on our side. And we argue like we're defensive about defending our own right to our own individual liberty. Like that's something that needs to be defended. I don't need to defend that. Yeah. You need to defend why you can take ownership of me. That's yeah. You. Why you want to take, <laughs> take it away. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. Mark, where can people go to follow your work? Um, so primarily I've been writing for The Spectator Australia. So that's the first point of call. Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I have, I need to get my Twitter account properly up and going. Um, but for, for the time being, the, the former two are the place to go. But um, thanks for having me on, mate. It's been a really good conversation. I'd love to love to come on again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime, hit us up. I'll be on the lookout for more pieces from you and we'll have you back on again. I love this conversation. Yeah, good talking. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. All right, I you enjoy the well. rest of your Wednesday. Yeah, it's a long day ahead. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot.